Hi, and welcome back to the How to Decorate podcast from Ballard Designs. We want to teach you how to decorate your home and unleash your inner decorator. So we'll be interviewing interior designers, stylists, and other talents in the design world, sharing the trials and triumphs of our own homes, and also answering your decorating questions. I'm Caroline. I run the Ballard Designs blog, How to Decorate. And I'm Taryn, and I'm on the product design team at Ballard. And I'm Karen, and I head up branding at Ballard. We're your hosts. Hi. Our guest today is a return guest, and he has a new book, Fern Yip. It is called Vacation at Home. And I believe in our last uh, recording with you, we were all raving about your book because we loved it so much. And actually, I don't know if you even knew this, Vern, um, it, we, we gave you an award for Best aware? Design Book. I heard through the grapevine. I was so excited. Thank you so much. That's huge because I know you guys read every book under the sun. So we read a lot of books, but yes. yours are always really practical. Mm-hmm. Really break things down into mm-hmm. real manageable sound bites, almost. So I really like that about them. Yeah, it's a te- it's like a textbook almost, mm-hmm. but prettier. That's why I was shocked you had more tips to absorb in this right. I thought the other one covered everything so well I really appreciate it thank you well and that is sort of my thing I sort of feel like you know as we were talking about last time I love a book filled with beautiful pictures I mean who doesn't right it's just kind of nice to relax and get inspired uh, and we have that section here in the new book as well but I, I like to put out things that people can wrap their hands around and actually implement into their lives as well. And I like it delivered in digestible components, you know, mm-hmm. give me bullet points, give me yeah. like a list so that, you know, I can like, I can remember a list. I'm too busy with two kids and 500 pounds of dog to remember things in paragraphs. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Step one. I always like, <laughs> you know, because I think it is very overwhelming for most mm-hmm. people to get the look that they want, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, and right. I think you address that in there in your new book, you talk a lot about People know they crave what they feel when they go in certain spaces. A lot of times it's luxury um, hotels or when they travel. And you're Mm -hmm. like, "Uh uh-uh, your house should be the most welcoming place that you ever go to. Oh my! So first off, I've done a few podcasts. I love that you all actually read the book. That is insane. (laughs) (laughs) Because you guys just have so much free time on your hands. Um, No, I, I think that that's amazing. So... Um, thank you for actually reading it. But it, it it is what really inspired me to put this next book out because, you know, again, I have a lot of things I'm working on. I don't need to just put out a book just to have another book. The last one was yeah. just a few years ago. Um, but I realized that there was this huge movement that was happening in our country. Um, you know, it really kind of, I think, started off with Marie Kondo and mm-hmm. how she really hit this nerve where people were sort of, thinking to themselves, you know, I'm feeling very overwhelmed by my stuff. I'm feeling overwhelmed by my home. I'm feeling overwhelmed by managing my home. And instead of coming home and instantly relaxing and rejuvenating and re-energizing, instead of feeling nurtured by my environment, I am kind of like down about walking through the front door and seeing shoes in the foyer coats on the banister, a stack of mail on top of a stack of catalogs and stuff, a a stack of whatever. And all all of that is not what you should be feeling when you come home. My point behind vacation at home is, you know, if you're lucky, if you're one of the lucky people, you get 
10 days or two weeks a year to actually go away on vacation, to go to that place that you dream about. Um, some of us don't even get to go every year. Some of us like get to go on special occasions, like, you know, a 10th anniversary or a honeymoon or whatever. And, you know, instead of craving for that feeling of being at that very special place that really does take care of you and relax you and re-energize you, you should be having that feeling about your home. You should be mm -hmm. sitting here in this conference room or in this office today and just sort of saying to yourself, man, I love my home and I cannot wait to go home and be embraced by it. So I oftentimes ask people to perform this exercise. I say, you know, close your eyes. Why don't you guys try this exercise? Okay. Oh, yeah. I love, yes. I love hands-on exercises. Yes. So close your eyes and imagine. Imagine what it is to walk into the most nurturing, welcoming, warming environment for you. An environment that's been tailored just for you and your needs that lifts your spirits and refreshes you the minute you walk into it. Okay, you can open your eyes now. If, if you're... If you're if your first impression of your home, if your overall impression of your home isn't what you just pictured, then I, I say it's time to do something about it. Mm -hmm. We spend so much time there. It's where we spend the most important moments of our lives with our family and friends. Why not make that place the most special place to you? And so this book is designed to kind of give you the concrete steps to get you there. We break it down into, into basically 18 steps that are manageable and digestible to kind of help everybody in every price point, independent of style, realize how they can get from where they are now mm -hmm. to that ultimate destination. Okay. Can we talk through each primary rule? Your 18 primary they're easy rules. steps. It sounds yeah. like a lot, yeah. but they're it really, does, but they're some of them hard. I don't. Okay. Did you write down all 18? Wait, no, you have it. You're okay. She's got her list in front of her. <laughs> <laughs> well, I had it printed, but then now I have the book. It's much more printed. It's on page uh, six of the book, ladies, yes. if you'd like to reference it. And there's also in the very back of the book, my favorites. Mm. We had this in Design Wise Ooh, too, yeah. cheat sheets. Mm. So it takes the most important components of part one, you know, where we go a little more in depth into those things, but it boils it down into essentially a couple pages. You also is that the index? before you check out, which I thought was kind of witty. No, this is not <laughs> oh, 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 okay, okay. No, yeah. Karen, so at the very I didn't end, even there's catch that. Look you at you. It. You're so good. Yeah. Well, so that that whole hotel reference really is based on the fact that you know, as an ambassador for UNICEF, as somebody who writes about travel and design for the Washington Post, as somebody who you know really is on the road constantly. I have had the opportunity to be in a lot of really great places. And, and I'm really fortunate. You know, I've traveled again to 60 plus countries in the past decade. And when I walk into these places, especially the really, really, really good ones, the ones that instantly like take care of you the minute you are there, mm -hmm. I started noticing these common links, not stylistically, but these common things that they were, these common decisions that they were making from a design standpoint mm -hmm. that, that kind of linked them all, that were all things that I thought, well, we could take those same steps and implement them into our own environments. Because so often when we check into a great property, when we check into a great hotel room uh, or walk into a great lobby, we might admire the design, but it might not be something that we would personally want to have in our own home. Right. What we're oftentimes responding to is the fact that those environments don't have all of our clutter in them. Mm. You know, we're walking into a place that's clean and we can see the surfaces and things are organized. And so there's- They smell good. And they smell good, mm -hmm. right? And they sound good, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, there's not like 
horns blaring or, you know, dogs barking or whatever. So it's, you know, it's a 360 degree approach towards design. Yeah. And they very much have studied this and they very much focus on how do we relax you the minute you come onto our property? How do we get you to just immediately turn off and unwind? And so many of us crave that in our own environments. So this book is saying, hey, we can take those same steps and now we can implement them into your home with your aesthetic so that it's even better. Even right, better than I the top was property. Because cool, you're like, you go to those places, you like them, but they aren't reflecting you or your style. You have an opportunity to make it even better than the best place you've ever been because you can make it yours. And it doesn't have to be um, something that's a one size fits all that's going to appeal to the hundreds of people who walk through the door. It can be exactly to just you and what yes. you want, which is nice. Very few people have ever like walked away from a great hotel experience and thought to themselves, man, I just, I love that generic wipeable vinyl <laughs> wallpaper accent wall. And I just can't wait to have that in my own home. That is right. not what people are responding <laughs> no, to. Yeah. That is not it. No. Right. But it's probably the fact that someone can easily clean it. And that's, that's kind <laughs> nice. of your point. That, it's like, or that yes. there's a yeah. cool accent wall. Yeah. Maybe yes. Like yeah. yeah. There's a way to personalize it, make it you, because they have to appeal to hundreds, if not thousands of people. You, you have to appeal to you and in, mm -hmm. in, in some cases, the people who live with you. But in some cases, in some, in some cases, <laughs> depending on how philanthropic you're feeling. Um, yeah. So I, I think it's 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 even it's even better, you know. Um, so, you know, just boiling those points down to like the 18 steps and Mm -hmm. beginning to help people understand now how they can easily implement it into your home is was the whole point of this book because you know I again loved what Marie Kondo had to say and why there was this huge movement and how many and why so many people responded to it in terms of you know finding a way to kind of turn your home away from being a point of stress into a a, a point of of nurturing but mm -hmm. Personally speaking, after you know reading the book and trying to implement some of those same things into my life, I noticed that there were things in it that weren't working for me personally yeah. and weren't working necessarily for my clients either. So, for example, you know this random cutoff point of five photos or this random cutoff point of five books. For people who aren't familiar with Marie Kondo's oh. book, she says mm -hmm. if you She's have strict. five, you get to keep five personal photos, and anything above those five photos, you have to say you know, I remember you and, you know, I'm grateful for you, but you're now out of my life. Same for books. And you're dead to me. <laughs> you're dead to me. Well, except for upstairs in my head. She's saying, commit it to memory and think about it from that perspective. But for me, there are things that, you know, I have this treasure trove of old photos that have been passed on to me from, you know, my mother and were passed on to her from hers and and I love books, you know, yeah. I, and I love having them around the house in every room. To me, they lend soul to a room. So, um, so for me, that methodology, uh, you know, wasn't going to work long term. I right. think mm -hmm. it's good for short term, but in terms of long term livability, it wasn't going to work for me, and it wasn't going to work for my clients. But I did notice that implementing these rules from vacation at home in my own life, and they're, they're how I practice in, in private uh, interior design practice, and, and implementing them into my clients' lives, I was able to kind of create that vacation at home environment for mm -hmm. their everyday homes. And, and I just want to 
point out, because I feel like I read at the beginning, you said, wasn't always like this at your house. Oh, yeah. Right? You, you're not the perfect person, right? No. <laughs> for, for years or however long, you, you would come home and it would be frustrating or it would not reflect how you wanted to feel. And you made this decision, mm-hmm. like, I want to make this home feel, like you're saying, a place that makes me revitalize and embraces me. And so it wasn't, it wasn't, doesn't always just come naturally to us, I guess is right. what I'm saying. People oh, can, no. Trial and error. Right. People can do this. Absolutely. I, yes, I did not crawl out of the womb going, <laughs> let me turn my, my nursery into a vacation at home nursery. No, um, <laughs> it didn't happen that way. Oh, but I liked the story. Yeah, that was age a- seven. It wasn't far after the womb. You already like <laughs> realized that you couldn't need close storage. Yes. Yeah. Bad Wait, stories in his book. <laughs> but, but I, um, I needed to refine it over time, mm-hmm. you know, and it required it. Honestly, I don't think I could have written the book without having traveled to 60 plus countries, without having stayed at so yeah. many places and basically living out of a suitcase, it would I wouldn't have been able to have picked up on these these common threads that link all of the, the best vacation properties around the world, the things that they do to kind of relax you. It, yeah. it was necessary for me to have to have that experience under my belt before I could put this book out. One of the things that you, you mentioned in the beginning that I loved, um, and I just felt like this really connected to me, was you said, what when you walk in the door, what message do you want to receive from your home? And you gave an example of what you wanted to get from your home. And I just felt like that was such a good, like, like sit and think, what do I want my home to be giving me when I'm coming? I don't know. I just, that question in particular, I just felt like, because, you know. I think we get demand more from our homes than we do. You know, yeah. we can make them do more than we do. It doesn't have to just function. It can also feed your senses and it can, right. you know. Inspire you. Make it do, work yeah. hard for you. Yeah. A hundred percent. I think that's so well said. I, you know, I, I one of the things that we talk about in Vacation at Home is the fact that everything that you see sends you a message. Mm-hmm. Our eyes and our brains are such complicated pieces of machinery, way more complex than any of us really realize. Mm-hmm. Um you you see things constantly that you don't intend to see, but your eye is just constantly processing what's in front of it. And that's a lot of what makes our environments feel more stressful than yeah. they really need to, because everything does send you a message. And that impacts your environment in a couple of ways. Um, number one, when objects are there that you don't necessarily need to see um, that, you know, for example, stacks of mail on top of stacks of catalogs on top of stacks of magazines that just happen to be there with a dog leash wound on top of it and some keys. Every single thing creates a shadow line and your eye processes that information, realizes it's a dimensional object and stores it. You know, mm-hmm. it's something there that now you are aware of um, versus putting that away inside a drawer or putting it inside an opaque lidded hinged box kind of creates you know just one piece of simple information to process you still know that all of those things are there but now you don't have to completely process every single item right. the other thing is that everything in your environment does send you a message and you have control over that messaging mm-hmm. you have control over that messaging so that messaging can be 
hey, remember when you bought me because you saw me in the store window and you fell in love with me and you thought, I can't wait to look at you every day. And now here I am and I get to greet you every time you walk through the front door. Or that message can be, hey, remember when you bought me because you were having people over and there was an empty spot and I was on sale and you had 15 minutes and so you grabbed me. Well, guess what? <laughs> Even though you don't love me, all these years later, I'm still here. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I'm here. Yeah. Yeah. So you have you have the power to control that, you know? Mm-hmm. And so so fill your home. I say get rid of everything that doesn't fall into one of these two categories. Have an honest conversation with yourself. Really, have that conversation with yourself and be honest about it. The two categories are things that you need, and we all have things in our lives that we need, a vacuum cleaner, an iron, you know, (laughs) whatever, a blender. The second category is things that you love. Things that you love things that put a smile on your face, that delight you. It's not enough for you to be okay with it. It's not enough for you to just like it. Challenge yourself to just have the things that you need and the things that you love. That to me, if you're honest about it, is a better um, point of demarcation than randomly imposing a number on you and saying, Mm -hmm. you can only keep five things, okay? I'd rather you be honest with yourself and say, okay, I I kind of have this because a dear friend of mine gave it to me and I feel really bad about like not having it, but I kind of don't really think it's my style. Mm-hmm. G- give yourself permission to donate it, sell it, you know, give it away or throw it away, you know, give yourself yeah. that that option so that your home is really just filled with the things that you need and things that filled with the things that you love. That way you can then begin to manage those things rather than managing a whole bunch of things that you're just okay with. Right. Yeah. How irritating, right? To have to deal with stuff you don't even like. <laughs> right. Yeah. But we all ha- we all carry around so much guilt mm-hmm. yeah. for a number of reasons. It could be because somebody we care about gave it to us. It could be because we felt like we spent a lot of money and we thought we really kind of were into it and we're really not into it. I mean, it could be a, yeah. a myriad of reasons. <laughs> right. But, you know, let go of it and just have the things that you need and have the things that you love and then make sure that there's a place for each one of those things. Yeah. Um, you know, I talk about the fact that you, again, have control over the messaging and the things that you love should be the things that are evident to you. You should be surrounded by those things and those should be the things that you see. But, you know, one of the things that we love about going to a, a new property or a new restaurant or a new environment, if it's really well designed, is it's something that we haven't seen before. Mm-hmm. Right? There's something exciting about seeing something new for the first time. Mm-hmm. And even if you perfect your environment and you just have the things that you love that are out on display, your eye can't help but over time become acclimated to that environment. Over time, you will yeah. notice it less and less and less. So, you know, we talk about refreshing your environment, not having everything that you love out at the same time. 
you know, figure out where you can store some things and then rotate things out so that your eye does pick up on something new. I mean, some of us might not have time to do that except for once a year. Some of us might have time to do it seasonally or once a month. You know, it just depends on the amount of free time that you have. And if you have 500 pounds of dog at home to manage like I do. Um, <laughs> but, you know, there there is that ability to kind of, again, rotate things out so that your mm-hmm. eye picks up on things again. I mean, yeah. how many times have you like found something that you thought, oh, I forgot I had that right. and it's so cool, you know? Yeah. One of the things that you said that I thought was so practical was that the art over your mantle and the art over your beds, might've been more than one bed, is similarly sized. Yes. And so you'll often switch them around in the house and everything oh, sort of seems fresh and new again. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. So yeah, and I'm not somebody who, um, I, know, I don't feel like the art in your in your room has to sort of match the throw pillows or whatever. I think it's independent for me. Mm-hmm. I really, um, I, I really think that art is oftentimes the primary layer in a space. It really can set the tone and set the mood. And one of the talking points we have is sort of designing to a focal point. Um, yes. If you don't have a great view, oftentimes a great piece of art can sort of step in for that that great view. Create your own view, great view if you don't have yeah. it. But uh, changing that focal point in a room can powerfully, you know, completely transform a space just with one element changed out. Yeah. And I liked your point about, um, well, and this is one of your um, 18 rules, fewer and bigger. And you yes. mentioned that about art specifically and how, you know, sometimes just one great piece, like that's all you need. You don't right. need tons of little, I mean, if you have them, then that's one thing, but mm. yeah, like do bigger. That's rule number less. nine. <laughs> yes. You you said it much more eloquently. So how about you say that? <laughs> no, you know, so, so it really, it it's kind of like two things that we're talking about here, but you know, it's this idea of fewer, but bigger. It, it was something that I started noticing that a lot of properties do, you know, they don't have a lot of little things and they don't have a lot of little things for obviously practical reasons. Mm-hmm. Number one, little things tend to walk away. But number two, um, you know, it's just more stuff to kind of dust around. You know, they really pride themselves. The best ones do it. The best properties pride themselves on cleanliness and just having the environment be perfect and having little things around everywhere isn't practical. But again, it's one more message for your eye to pick up on. So, you know, having fewer things, but bigger things, when you think about, you know, display on your coffee table or the number of pieces of art on a wall is really not only more impactful in terms of getting your message across, your style message across more efficiently and effectively, but it's also um, easier to maintain Mm. down the road. Yeah. I always I always feel like sometimes, and this is just kind of going back to what we were talking about in the beginning, but I feel like you can, if you don't do what you're saying, you can come home. And I feel like right now I'm just really focused on this because our yard, we haven't done any yard work. So I feel like, and you talk about this with your outdoor spaces, you have sort of redesigned everything to be a level that is easy for you to take care of. And it's easy to come in the door and be like, oh, I have all this this like yard clutter that I need to like leaf litter. That's the word I was thinking of. Leaf, like leaf litter. litter. Yeah, like um leaves. It's fall. I'm like <laughs> I've never heard that before. I've never heard leaf litter. Leaf litter. 
Leaf litter? Is that, that I didn't make that up, right? You've I've heard never of, heard You know it. what I'm talking about, right? I, I, know, I know what you're talking about because <laughs> to me, like the leaves in my yard drive me insane. And so like, I'm finally at the point where I don't really have to contend with them. And I, it, it makes fall so much more enjoyable for me. Yeah, it's like <laughs> Well, that's what you speak to. I love that you actually, okay. you know, you're saying, okay, what limiting your to-do list too yeah right so like what's a chore that i can eliminate in inside and outside too like what can and you had some great examples too of what you could do outside um yeah assessing yourself what do i want to prune you know am Mm -hmm. i going to water often be honest with yourself about how much maintenance you want to take on and then design your home and yard around that yes Yes. i think honesty (laughs) with yourself is such a big deal i mean because there are you know, that 0.1% of the 1% or whatever who can have whatever they want in their house and outside in their yard and whatever because they have a staff that's just going to like go and take care of it every day. And it's part of what's so great about being in a great property. You walk outside and there are no leaves on the pathways (laughs) and everything's pruned and clipped and the flowers look great and whatever. And that's awesome. But most of us can't afford to have that happen in our own lives. And rather than just sort of fill your to-do list, I I say have an honest conversation. If you are somebody who just happens to have a green thumb and it's your hobby and it brings you joy and you love it and that's how you relax and you're going to be out there anyways, that's a different story than somebody who comes home and does not have a green thumb and has to get dinner on the table and get the bills paid and whatever. And they just want to look out into the yard and like see that it actually looks clean and neat. Right. Different story altogether. Um, But, you know, I think the organic component is is great. And I think that the removing things off your to do list important is great. Those are two of the sort of super important points of this book. We all have these to do lists. And and in the book, we talk about helping people figure out how to take things permanently off their to do list. You know, I think that's Mm -hmm. important. I I oftentimes reference this story of um, coming home, you know, for Thanksgiving or spring break or whatever when I was in college. And I grew up, um, you know, um, I was raised by a single mom um, who's amazing, but like barely like five feet in stilettos, you know, (laughs) and she would you know, as soon as I would come home through the front door, I was just like exhausted because I just finished exams or whatever. Um, you know, a couple of things would happen. It was so predictable. Number one, I get a, the best hug ever. But number two, <laughs> even if I was like 50 pounds, she would say, why? You know, or even if I was 150 pounds or 250 pounds, she'd say, why are you so skinny? How come you're not eating? And I'd be, be like, you know, spilling out of my pants. Um, but number three, she would say, before you leave, can you help me change all the burnt out light bulbs, um, you know, in the recessed cans? Because, you know, she had like, you know, these these crazy double story foyer spaces and whatever. And she just couldn't manage to get a huge ladder out and change the light bulbs. And we all kind of, you know, remember this experience of like, oh, another burnt out light bulb. And just, it just is, it lingers on that to-do list longer than it should because life gets in the way. Mm -hmm. Well, now we have these amazing LED bulbs, right? And they only need to be changed every 21 to 22 years. But one of the things that I realized, you know, was um, an impediment to people implementing them successfully in their homes is that the light 
out the light quality out of an LED doesn't necessarily correspond to the light quality of light bulbs that we're also used to, the beautiful, warm glow of an incandescent. So we explain in the book how you actually get the equivalent light quality out of an LED by looking for the exact um, Kelvin number and the exact wattage number. We there it is. We did <laughs> in a graph, an index. and we explain <laughs> like what all the terminology means. But also, we sort of say you don't really have to understand it if you just want the bulb. Refer to, to the buy. table. Here's <laughs> what to buy. If this then that, you know? Right, um, if you wanna look blue. <laughs> <laughs> Which none of us do. Of us do. <laughs> um, so, you know, it's this idea that, you know, giving people that information. Now I've told you the exact right bulb to, light, light bulb to, to get. Mm -hmm. You can change your light bulbs and then bam, you, know, you no longer have to change light bulbs in your home. Yeah, in, but in, but yes. rule 15, install a dimmer. Don't forget that one. Yes. After you change all those light bulbs, make sure you've got your dimmer. Dimmers are so important because, yeah, especially now, because now when LED technology first came out, the light bulbs weren't what they are today. The yeah. color wasn't right. They weren't dimmable. Now the color is right and they're dimmable. <laughs> and so let's just remove it off your to-do list. Same thing with, uh, you know, um, indoor outdoor fabrics you know i i came out with my own line of inside out performance fabrics um right uh, about the same time that this book came out because it's how people live today you know the the, the technology behind the fabric is so great now that uh like for example uh on my fabric i i drew a sh a smiley face with <laughs> a black sharpie on a white piece of fabric and was able to get it out just with soap and water Wow. So the fact that, you know, for so long people are like, oh, I would love a white sofa, but I have kids or I have, you know, dogs or I have whatever. You can th throw that thought process out the window now. Yeah. Um, the fact that now you can have the look that you want and you don't have to worry about your friend with her glass of red wine sitting on your white sofa. You don't have to worry about your, your kid with his chocolate <laughs> ice cream uh, or your dog sleeping on it, that you can mm. clean it easily allows you to then do what your what the intent of your home is. It's to focus on the people and the experiences that are happening within the walls of your home instead of focusing on the stuff. Let me ask you a question. Okay. I know you are a big vacuumer. Yes. You talk in the book about how you vac vacuum eight times a week, which is crazy, but I'm glad that it brings you <laughs> twice a day. You, you said that it um it relaxes you, so that's good. Uh. But um, I was sure married Vern. Like that's <laughs> what it comes down to. I actually find vacuuming relaxing. No, I don't do it that often. But it, you know, it can. It's one. It's something that like you see immediate results, mm -hmm. which is really nice. Okay, but I, sorry. But back to the inside out or um, indoor outdoor fabrics. I was curious if since you let your animals on your furniture, because I let my dog on my couch, and I wonder if I need to be cleaning like my sofa cushions. Because I normally just spot clean, but do I need to be doing something more than that? Do y'all do more than that? Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's, I think it's, I mean, depending on how often, what kind of environment your pet is in. I mean, we have really big dogs and really big animals, and they go inside and out, you know, outside all the time. And uh, but my husband also owns a dog daycare boarding grooming company, and they get 
bathed and groomed once a week. So all of that comes yeah. into play. They're really clean animals. In fact, I I sometimes think that they, I don't sometimes think, I know that they're cleaner than my children. Um, <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> but, you know, if, you're, if your dog isn't getting uh, regularly groomed and bathed and you live in a muddy or wet environment and all or that leaf, comes into house. Leafy leaf garbage. If you have a lot of leaf litter. <laughs> leaf litter. <laughs> leaf litter. Yeah. Yeah, I would definitely suggest, especially this time of year, yeah. we're about to kind of head into that season where everybody is hosting everything at their house. This mm -hmm. is the perfect time of year to really kind of analyze those kinds of situations. I always use this time of year um, just so I'm not panicked right before Thanksgiving uh, to kind of just yeah. kind of check it out. You know, we also talk about, um, you know, when to replace things like towels and sheets and how yes. often to launder them um, for people who are having guests in the house, because that is part of that vacation at home experience. For example, um, you know, just, um, uh, I, I think this is going to shock some people, but you, you should, I don't know if you saw this in the book, it's in cheat sheets again, but you should be laundering your hand towels Every two days, you said. After every two, yes, every after every two consecutive days of use, and especially if your especially if your hand towel ends up on your face, this is going to gross everybody out a little bit. But if you do not, there actually has been shown to be more E. coli on your hand towel after two days of consecutive use than if you have stuck your face in the toilet. So. Um, <laughs> I'm only air drying my face from now. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it's a good. <laughs> it's, oh my gosh. It's, so it's not just about your home being a beautiful place, but a healthy place. Yeah. I yeah. didn't know you had to. I, I did not know towels, or I liked your tip about the two years or a year. Or two, two years, years. Was, for yeah. use until All they the lose. And yeah. Until they lose absorbency. Uh, yeah, because some of them you know, are slightly higher quality than others. Right. But even yeah. the highest quality towels with consecutive use in about two years time, it's good to replace yeah. them. You know, I, I'd love to also start to move people away from this thought if you're if you're our, our entertaining guest and having them stay over at your home, that your guest room becomes the receptacle of all the things that no longer work in oh. your room. You know, sort of threadbare <laughs> sheets right. or, or towels Mismatch, that no longer yeah. are absorbent or whatever. Um, you know, it, it can be fun to really think about that exercise about really if you're going to entertain, you want those people to, of course, be happy in your home and to have a great experience. And yeah. I would say, you know, put yourself in their shoes. Think about um, how, you know, you would like to be received. Do they want a dingy white towel that mm. was yours five years ago? The answer is no. No. Yeah. The answer <laughs> I is never most want a dingy white definitely towel. <laughs> <no>. <laughs> Hard pass all the time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Or Unless you don't want house guests. That's the yeah. perfect thing. Yes. Just give them all the junk and they never come back. Well, yeah. So that's the other thing. It's your house. At the end of the day, you can always suggest the lovely hotel down the yeah. street. You know? <laughs> um, I did like you also put, you, even with the minimize your to-do list, I loved the quartz. How you yes. said that was that answered the question to again maintenance countertops yeah. mm -hmm. countertops yes I thought you said quartz like of ice cream yeah well I don't know I thought you meant like court like tennis court well you know I'm reading through this list like where but quarts of court? ice cream would also make it feel like <laughs> vacation at home most definitely um, so no yeah uh, again taking advantage of all the um, 
all the innovation in materials that we have at our fingertips today. You know, this look of white marble countertops, so huge. Everybody loves the look. But at the end of the day, you freak out again if somebody with a glass of red wine puts it down on your countertop or, Mm -hmm. you know, the salsa spills or the ketchup spills. It's just or just you use your kitchen instead of just having it be a jewel box. Um, You know, marble is beautiful, but it's soft. And now that they have this beautiful quartz countertop material that looks just like white marble, um, but is antimicrobial, scratch resistant, stain resistant, never has to be refinished in its lifetime. You can just have the look and then just use it. You the, yeah. There doesn't have to be like this reminder once every year on your calendar, time to reseal the countertops. Because guess what? You're, you don't use every surface of your countertop the same. So mm-hmm. there might be spots that might need to be resealed sooner than right. one year. Um, yeah. So it's just, you know, Let's, it's life is too short to be stressed about that. Take it off your to-do list. That's what this book is really trying to help people understand is there are things that you can embrace if you put it into place in the beginning. Okay, build the foundation. That's one of the big points of the book. And building the foundation includes using materials smartly to mm-hmm. live the way that you want to live. Again, yeah. if you have a staff of people running around your house who can like do all those things, then you don't have to worry about <laughs> it. But most of us don't. Most definitely, I don't. Well, you, <laughs> you even get down to low maintenance organics, you call them in your home. Yes. You know, there's a chart on which flowers last the longest, which I thought was hysterical. Uh, and and mm, I appreciate yes. it too. But, yeah, it, you know, yeah. you're thinking it down to that minutia. When mm-hmm. I, I want to have something fresh in my mm-hmm. room, but what's going to last? What's going to be inexpensive? What's going to be beautiful? What's going to, you know, do the job the easiest way? Kind yeah. of is what it is, right? I think that's important. And also um, the vast majority of those flowers you can pick up at the grocery store because you know, if you have to make a additional detour in, you know, your errands to pick up mm-hmm. a special kind of flower that's going to last, it just adds to, you know, you may have saved time on one end, but you're losing time on another. So yeah, it is this idea again of how important it is to be surrounded by beautiful organics. When we walk into a great property and they have that beautiful floral arrangement in the lobby, and then they have fresh flowers in your room, you know, all of that is wonderful. But again, how many of us have a floral staff? Very, very few of us. So um, we talk about florals from and organics in a couple of ways. Number one, yes, cut flowers um, and how to incorporate them smartly, which ones last the longest. Um, You know, I can get hydrangeas from, you know, my grocery store, for example, to go four weeks for me. I don't put four weeks in the book, but that's how long I can make them go. Um, uh, Again, orchids. One of my favorite things to have, you can get them anywhere for $10 to $20. You can get a beautiful orchid plant in your home and it gives you fresh blooming flowers for about 18 cents a day, which is amazing. And you don't have to do anything to it. I mean, it really thrives on neglect. It needs water every 10 days to two weeks and it likes bright and direct sunlight. So again, something beautiful that blooms for eight to nine weeks thrives on neglect. If I don't have to worry about flowers for eight to nine weeks, I'm super happy. Right. Yeah. Right. Check. Yes. Check. Uh, and then just even like simple things like, you know, 
apples in a bowl. Again, mm -hmm. three ninety nine for a bag of five to six will last four to five weeks. Disgusting after four to five weeks, but they're beautiful in the meantime. If you think of them as a flower, right? Because I, I would do that. I would buy them and they're like, oh, these, um, these apples are rotting. It's so wasteful. But if you really think of it as a de decorative object, like a flower, they're mm -hmm. going to die too. Yes. Don't worry. Yeah, and there's nothing preventing you actually from, from eating, eating them apple? along the way. Whatever. <laughs> my, my kids take them out of my bowl. I'm like, can you take the ugly ones? Right. Leave, the, leave the pretty right. Take that one with the bruise on the bottom. That's right. Leave that top one. That's perfectly styled bowl. <laughs> but you're right. You can also think of that from a decorative standpoint. Uh, so, but it, it again is giving you those affordable, long lasting solutions because I don't think, again, you, your eye is way more complex than most people think. And my eye um, definitely picks up on a plastic apple or, yeah. mm -hmm. you know, a silk flowers. Well, and you I know, know in your heart. And I know <laughs> you in know my I mean? heart, yes. And if yes. you touch it, you know, because there's that sense too. There's the tactile part. So if you touch it, you know. Also, I, I think part them. of the issue with the fake flowers for me is they get dusty. Mm -hmm. yeah. So then it's like another thing you have to dust. And if you seems really weird to sit there and dust your fake bowl of lemons, does it not? Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> But you have to bit. dust live plants too. Yes, you do. Yeah, but leaf if you're keeping leaf. an orchid for three months, then... No, no, not an orchid, but a plant plant. You know, if you have a tree or oh, something. Oh, right, right, like a house plant. Yeah, no, yeah, I true. liked um, your moss centerpiece you spoke to. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Seemed really And there's so many fun ways you could do it. Like in the winter, like at Christmas, you could do like a bowl of pomegranates. Or in the fall, you could do like acorn squash mm -hmm. or something that's like... Chestnuts. Yeah. Yeah. Seasonal. Oh, look at you getting creative. I love it. Yes. No, that's absolutely, absolutely true. But, you know, having those organic components mm -hmm. is an important part of your environment, as is appealing to your other senses. You know, we talk about that in the book as well. This idea that you can, now if you've worked on it and you have only the things that you need and only things that you love and your things are sending you all the right messages, now imagine walking in and it smells terrible. And it's really loud and, and uh, you know, it's obnoxious and you're hearing lawnmowers. I mean, there are, you have to address all of the, the senses to kind of really be uh, ensconced in the nurturing that you really want to be ensconced in. So this mm -hmm. idea, number one, of sound. Of course, sound can be taken care of in a myriad of ways. Number one, if you live in an environment where you know that there's going to be a lot of external noise that you want to address, make sure you're, you've got the rugs and the, the soft mm -hmm. goods around you, but also... Um, you know, I love, I love how affordable wireless speakers are right now. The fact that for $20 and, um, you know, you could have a wireless speaker in your foyer and with your smartphone, the minute you walk through the front door, you hit a button and you're being now received by the music that you want to hear. Um, you no longer have yeah. to invest thousands of dollars to have somebody come to your home and dig up your ceiling and put in the speaker system and do whatever. It can be really that easy and inexpensive and accessible. Um, from a smell standpoint, mm. um, you know, you may not, uh, and I hope people aren't doing this, burning their candles all day long, even when you're like, out at work or whatever um you know i mean not a good <laughs> idea people <laughs> my dog's watching it it's fine <laughs> i have a camera trained on it <laughs> by the time i get home the house is burned down but at least i do <laughs> um so you know there are other solutions there's wonderfully you know wonderfully uh beautiful diffusers and other other ways that you can kind of have that that wonderful scent kind of um, being distributed throughout your home throughout the day that are safe. 
So there, so to think about it from a complete perspective, now to get the visuals right, but to also get the scent right and the, the sound right, all of that is is super important. And again, never more affordable uh, or attainable or easy to do. Okay, explain to me this um, wax melts and fragrance warmers. I don't know any, do y'all have a diffuser? I don't, I just use a scented candle, but this sounds like a way better idea. What should I do? Yeah, so again, safer ways. Even if you are home, there are a lot of people who have children and pets and they just don't feel comfortable um, with a flame. Right. Right. So um, we have these wonderful, we have access to a, a variety of different diffusers now. We have ones that, I have a really pretty one actually in the book that, you know, has oil and then a, a beautiful ceramic component that looks like a flower and oh, it yes, just okay. sort of distributes the fragrance. You have ones that uh, operate on electricity. So, you know, I designed one, you know, years ago that looks like a pierced ginger jar and um you know even when it's not used as a, a fragrance diffuser it just looks like a beautiful white pierced ginger jar but at the top where you have the the lid is actually where you put uh wax melts and the heat from a bulb below melts the wax and the wax then just releases the fragrance and where again safer way to go online um, I need one. Where else? Yes. Well, yeah. I mean, where else? What exactly. Is, like, what is it called? Exactly. What do I, what do I search? Yeah, so uh, for wax diffuser. Oops. Wax. What would you call it? Yeah, it's a it's a fragrance diffuser. Okay. Uh, so, uh, I mean, so, y- you know, some of you, everybody knows the ones with the reeds sticking out. Mm-hmm. I'm not a big reed fan. Yeah, I'm not right. either. First of all, they're not symmetrical. You know what I mean? They're yeah. not the right way. And they're just poking out everywhere, unless you can't see it. Yeah. You know what I mean? If you could hide it. But then what's the point? Yeah. Well, you bring up a great point. That's one of the other of the 18 points is symmetry, the power of symmetry. Um, what number? <laughs> uh, I'm not sure which <laughs> yeah. of the 18. Number four. Yeah, number four. Mm-hmm. Symmetry is your friend. And it's really something that you can implement to create that sense of uh, organization mm-hmm. in a space. And that sense of organization is what ultimately leads you to being more relaxed in an environment, uh, especially if you have a difficult room or if you live in an open space plan. Oftentimes, implementing some level of symmetry into the space helps you kind of, again, relax and know that things are where they're supposed to be. Um, yeah. And it's, so much of it is is because we are symmetrical ourselves. We're so used to see, it's one of mother nature's most powerful tools. You know, she tends to make things symmetrical. And, um, and I mean, look at snowflakes, even snowflakes yeah. are symmetrical and each one is different, right? Um, so implementing some level of symmetry into your space, again, helps you with uh, keeping it organized and helps you to sort of ultimately relax more in that space. What's a great example in um, an open floor plan? Um, Yeah, like, for example, so many, uh, you know, we all have moved towards open floor plans. That's really how everybody wants to live. Are you a fan? Of open floor plans? Um, I'm... I, I think to a certain extent. I think it's kind of gone overboard. I think when it's completely open, sort of like a big open loft, it it becomes really kind of not only difficult to design that kind of space, but it's not necessarily always super enjoyable to live in that kind of space. I think a certain level of demarcation kind of 
helps. Um, I don't want to spend that much time with my family, you know? Got to have some walls. My stuff. <laughs> That's yeah. what I don't want to be with okay. is my oh, stuff. Yeah, like a loft is meant for a single individual. You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like it's easier if there's only one of you and you're not trying to, yeah. like, have a bedroom. You need, like, a bedroom with a wall. But if you live by yourself, <laughs> you don't need a wall. You know what I'm saying? Like, but you're going to have people over. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, but if you have people over, then you're hanging out with the people. You're not like also trying to sleep. If you're a single person, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, mm-hmm. or make sense? yeah, it's not. It's even more difficult if you're. A, I mean, it's even difficult if you're a couple, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, so so I think in like an open plan, for example, um, it's hard to sometimes know where to place furniture. So mm-hmm. immediately when you, if you just imagine a big open space plan, the minute you put down, let's say two matching sofas that face each other, it automatically institutes a structure into the space that didn't exist otherwise. And it gives you an organizing principle that begins to help um, put things into place. Uh, It it implements an an order that wasn't there beforehand, and it begins to help you kind of figure out where things are, which is ultimately like what we want to see when we walk into a space. We don't typically want to walk into chaos. We want to walk into a sense of things are where they're supposed to be. Yeah. Order. Order. I remember the first time you were on the podcast, you talked a lot about clothes storage. Yes. Having things with lids. And in this book too. Yes. And in this book a lot. Um, I harken back to that. But, and you even say it needs to have a hinge lid or a lid that attaches. Yes. Talk a little about why. Yeah. Because it, uh, first off, uh, you know, I love the idea of opaque boxes that are big enough to really service you. Meaning, you know, little cute boxes are great, but I'm never really quite sure what goes in them. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. does somebody put a little chocolate in it before you go to bed? Right. Or yeah, or she's kiss. <laughs> what happens with that little box? Um, and that would be nice if somebody did that. Um, <laughs> no, I'm talking about boxes that are substantial enough. Again, I talk, talked about the idea of not having all of your mail and everything sitting out on countertops. But instead, if you don't have a piece of furniture with a drawer, going for a box that's opaque and big enough and hinged and you know, with a lid so that it can accommodate all of those things. And there mm-hmm. are plenty of those kinds of boxes out on the marketplace, uh, but also one big enough for a remote uh, or a series of remotes or, or your reading material on your nightstand or whatever if you don't have a drawer. Um, but the reason why I say um, hinged is because uh, if you have to actually go through that action of taking the lid off and then finding a place to put the lid down uh, and then mm. putting your stuff in, you're less likely going to, you're going to be less likely to use that box. You need to make it as easy on yourself as possible and you mm-hmm. don't need to have to. F- like figure out where's that lid going to go once I open this box. You just need it to be easy. Yeah. Or where did the lid take off to? Right. Yeah. <laughs> Who took the lid? <laughs> well, I definitely realized that I need a box on my bedside table. Yeah. Because I have a tray, which I felt like was doing the job, but it's not. You know, I've got a lip gloss. I've got some readers, I don't know, rings. I don't know, mm-hmm. random things. And I'm, I'm going to have to get a box. Yeah. yeah. Well, I typically say in your master bedroom space, um, I typically suggest that you have nightstands that have accessible closed storage, you know, whether that's a series of drawers. Drawers are great, you know, sometimes really better than kind of doors for something like that, mm-hmm. uh, where you can kind of access those things. But even then, that, that might not be significant enough, in which case 
you know, a, a hinged and lidded box is a great idea. Or if you just happen to have a nightstand that you really, really love and it has no storage, then again, hinged box is a perfect um, um, thing to have in that situation. But we also talk about the bedroom space. You know, the book is divided into public spaces and private spaces. And in the private space, you know, we talk about nightstands and the kind of nightstand to look for, for a master bedroom situation, but also the fact that, you know, try and keep your nightstand not so cluttered and full of stuff. You know, we tend to yeah. accumulate all of our magazines and catalogs and books and then our tablet and everything else that just kind of ends up in that one spot. And it can be stressful to come into a room, even if your bed is beautifully made and mm-hmm. kind of like look at all of that. Well, and yeah. sometimes I feel like when you have these piles of things, they're almost a silent indictment of what you haven't accomplished yet. Why haven't you read these books? Why yes. haven't you gone through those magazines? Messaging. Yes. Yeah. Yes. No. I, you know what? I don't have to. Go away. Yes. Y'all go away somewhere else and stop judging me, you book. <laughs> yeah. You put me here like a year ago yeah. and I'm still it. here. Uh, Spine <laughs> untrue. Cracked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to hear more about you kind of speaking about how you're, you've taught your children again when yes. you come in the back door because or in the mud room I should say um, where to put their shoes um, and again not all of us have a mud room but I want to know how are you organizing even that because you said there's a spot for the shoes even there yeah you know um, so first off people are like there's no way that your kids do that and our kids do that they make their beds every morning they put their stuff away you know they take one thing out and when they're done with it they put it back and we started pretty early on and I ha- you know, it's not like, you know, they get beaten and if it doesn't happen, um, <laughs> but it's like everything in life. You know, the second, you know, we talk about this idea of creating a relaxing home that nurtures you, that re-energizes you and all those good things. And then the two main points that support that statement underneath are build the foundation. And the second one is maintain the foundation. Maintain yeah. the foundation is almost just as important as building the foundation. Now you can't maintain the foundation if you haven't built it correctly. So you Mm -hmm. really have to build the foundation. But if you have built the foundation, then you then kick in the second part, which is maintaining the foundation, making sure that everything has a designated spot. If it's going to be in your home, it needs to be something that you love or something that you need. And each, each category of item has to actually belong somewhere. That's so often the kind of stuff that we contend with that messes Mm -hmm. up our lives, stuff that doesn't really have a home. And it just kind of shuffles from one spot to the next to the next because nobody knows. And then you can never where find it's where supposed it to go. go. Right. You can never find it. You can never put it back. That, that one and it's like you need. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we kind of started very early on with our kids, just kind of, you know, we built the foundation, made sure there was plenty of closed storage, and made sure that they knew where their stuff was. So there was never this running around, like, where are my soccer cleats? Where's my violin? Where's my sheet music? Where where do I leave my homework? Everything yeah. has a designated spot. If it's in the house, it needs to be something that they need or something that they love. And it has a designated spot so they know where to put it. And I totally realize that most people don't have uh, a mudroom, but you know, even a simple coat closet or mm-hmm. some kind of pantry space where the floor space can be used for shoes, uh, any any designated spot where it ends up living is where it should go. Okay, I am currently trying to figure out toy storage. And you mentioned in your book that you like they're really your kids are really good about putting toys back in their in their room. But I was curious, were there 
did you have a playroom? Did you have like toys in the living room, toys in the bedroom? Like, was it all in one place? Uh, explain to me how you did that because I need help. <laughs> yeah. So, so we concentrate things in one area of the house, meaning we don't have like toy spots all over the house. Um, they can take mm -hmm. a toy and they can bring it to anywhere they want in the house and play with it. But once they're done with that toy in that spot, it needs to go away before another toy comes, comes out. out. And okay. I think by keeping things in one portion of the house, you kind of help facilitate the organization of those of those elements. Uh, and we okay. regularly go through that exercise, uh, you know, which is, I think, I just heard this statistic the percentage, I think U.S. children account for something like less than 5% of the children in the world, but account for 40% of the toys. Mm. Um, or ever toyed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, well, and I think, you know, kids grow out of things and we just, um, you know, we forget to kind of go through them. Yeah. Um, and there are so many kids out there who could benefit from those toys, who would love to have those toys. This is the perfect time of year to do yeah. this. Yeah, You know, sure. where a lot of kids want some new toys. So um, so we go through that exercise. We let our kids make that decision, you know, go through things you're done with, sit over here, books that you think are too easy now, put over here. And we donate all of those, those mm -hmm. things on a pretty regular um, basis. So you even have a spot for that? Yeah. You have a spot for... I'm done with donation this. all the so time smart. or just at certain times you'll say, Hey, go clean up Mal. Oh, well, no, people don't have to do it every day. But, but do you have a spot? All we the do time have designated. a spot all the time for things that are, that need to be donated. So we accumulate over time, uh, items for donations. It's, it's a spot that all of us share. So I put my clothes and shoes and things like I, that, you know, okay. I want to donate. Um, my husband does the same thing. Our kids do the same thing. Um, our dogs don't do it, but you know. <laughs> they're Selfish. the ones taking stuff out of the box. But you know, amazingly, once you kind of kind of put this um system of just kind of order in the house, you know, a couple of magical things happen. Number one, you are no longer doing the party rush, you know, where you are rushing mm. around like a crazy person. Um, trying to get your house ready for a party. Your guests can pop over pretty much any time and it's just ready to go. I mean, people come over all the time like, oh my gosh, did you just do this for us? I said, no, we didn't. I mean, it's it just makes it so much nicer and easier and it facilitates social socializing and just to you know have your house just ready to go. It's just not a big deal. The other thing is that the dogs have somehow magically responded to the order as well. I mean, <laughs> everything just kind of, I think, you know, people are just sort of sensitive to their environment. And I think that animals are the same way. If animals are in a calm environment, I think the chances of them being calm are better mm -hmm. than if they're in a chaotic environment. Sure. But what you just said, I feel like totally encapsulates the thesis of the book, which is your guest saying, did you just do this for us? And it's like, no, I did this for myself because... Why would I, why wouldn't I treat myself that well? Right. You know, I, like yeah, what you're saying. A hundred percent. I say in the book, you are your most important guest. I mean, we spend so much time making our house look great for guests. And I always think, why? I mean, yes, of course I want my house to look great for guests, but really I want it to look great for me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I want it to look great for me. I want to be greeted nicely when I walk into my own home and i want my family to be greeted nicely when they walk into our home so mm -hmm. um you know 
the fact that it looks great for guests is is just sort of it's a side benefit. Right, right. <laughs> I feel like that is a perfect way to jump into some of our questions. Oh, we'll segue to yes. some dilemmas. Will you help us? I will. I will try. Okay, cool. All right, this first one is from Sarah, and she writes and says, Hello, I'm attaching two photos of an open floor plan in my Black Hills Mountain home that we have just purchased. My plan so far is to paint the fireplace wall in Benjamin Moore Century... Oh, my gosh. Obsidian. Obsidian. Thank you all. Mm -hmm. And the surrounding wall is white. I haven't chosen this shade yet. My dilemma is I have a custom-made conversation sofa with white cream tweed cushions and a light grayish buffalo leather arms inside. My husband has a classic brown leather recliner that is oversized. We would like to incorporate both items into the living space, but I am not gifted with arranging furniture. I would also appreciate any other design ideas that you have to make this feel like a cohesive space. Oh um, my goodness. Century Obsidian is black. Yes. Well, oh. I'm gonna, let me describe this room. Yes. It's large. <laughs> <laughs> and every, it, there's a lot of wood in it. There's a wood ceiling. Um, wood floors. Um, the kitchen is in this room, and it has wood cabinets. Um, the trim around the windows and doors appears to also be stained wood. And then the fireplace is a stacked stone, um, and that is what she's saying she's going... The fireplace wall. Okay, not the fireplace. So she's not painting the stone. She's painting the wall of the fireplace. So do we think that that's just the section above the fireplace itself, or like I the end of stone, where the stone like ends? The, the what do you call that? The chimney part of it. Yeah. Yeah. I think she's painting that okay. black. Okay. And I don't know what a conversation sofa is. Is that a sectional? I'm not really sure what a conversation sofa is, but I think regardless, first off. Um, Wow, 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 wow. That's a big space. And I think this kind of harkens back to sort of what we were just discussing about open space plans, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. And the difficulty. Um, it's a beautiful home. It's a gorgeous home. You Look at her view. I know, you have an amazing view. So the first thing that I would suggest before kind of settling on a specific color, you know, like for example, the Century Obsidian, I don't know that color exactly, but I can in my mind picture what it probably is before you uh, settle too far down the road of um, picking colors, start with space planning. Space planning is going to be critical to a room like this. And that's initially informed by function. How do you envision using this room? For example, it looks like there's space over the fireplace and that it's outfitted for a television. Do you plan on putting a television? Um, above that fireplace um, and um, or do you plan on this just being a conversation area how many people do you see utilizing this space do you plan mm -hmm. on entertaining here that's going to begin to dictate what kind of seating you need in the room and whether or not your conversation sofa and your chair are going to be sufficient enough or if you're going to actually need additional pieces as well mm -hmm. um, you know um, so Start off with a space plan, and um, and that is, again, dictated by function. Are people going to be looking at a television? Mm -hmm. If it, people are looking at a television, then you're going to want to have your primary seating directly across from the television. If they're not, then you may want to kind of really orient it out to the view because your view could be your primary focal point mm -hmm. instead of your television because uh, mm -hmm. you do have a pretty amazing 
view. Mm -hmm. um, when it comes to um, actual color, I, I, I would initially hesitate to draw too much attention by implementing a contrast color to the chimney portion of your fireplace. It sounds like you're going to really contrast it because it sounds like you're going to use white. So that, that chimney's going to really stick out. And I would, I would say, if you do that, that's going to really call attention to it, and that might be what you want to do. Um, but you have so many other things that look like they would, you know, mm -hmm. be better focal points other than the area above your your stone and your uh, on your fireplace. You know, I might suggest uh, painting the color um, something more similar to some of the stone tones that are in your fireplace surround or sticking with the white that's going to be uh, throughout the rest of the space. And I'm curious as to whether or not you're going to then also paint the ceiling or if you're going to leave the ceiling um, wood. I think, uh, again, without knowing you better, um, um, it's hard to give you a suggestion. If it were my home, I'm probably going to get killed for this, I would probably paint it. Mm -hmm. um, I, I like bright, open spaces, but I know that there are going to be a lot of people who are going to want to kind of keep that wood ceiling. Mm -hmm. um, the issue with the wood ceiling is that it it um, will be darker than your surrounding walls. And anytime your ceiling surface is a darker color or a darker shade than your walls, it's going to feel like it's pulling down into the space. So mm -hmm. if you're going to keep it that wood tone, you may want to reconsider going with white walls you may want to consider a color that's going to pull the ceiling and the stone uh, together uh, into the space. You know, not dissimilar to what you have now, but maybe like a little less less flesh toned. Mm. Uh, the neutral that's on the walls right now looks a little bit um, looks a little bit like flesh. Mm -hmm. like uh, Silence of the Lambs. A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Someone's yeah. trying to go safe. <laughs> Well, yeah. I mean, it's hard to pick color. Yeah. You know, yeah. it is. I love the idea of it going white, but um, but I think that that ceiling is really going to mm -hmm. stick out. Right. It's going to mm -hmm. feel like it's right on top of you. Um, so if yeah. she did white and painted the ceiling white, you're saying? Yeah. What you would do. I would. I would personally. I would paint the walls and the ceiling the same color, whatever that color is, because I think uh, it pulls the envelope together and you mm -hmm. still have the visual interest of the planks on the ceiling so they'll they add an extra textural quality mm -hmm. uh, um, so if you did that would you also paint the kitchen cabinets white because she has kitchen cabinets that are sort of the same wood finish yeah um i i wonder if she's going to redo her kitchen um mm -hmm. you know i think that that's a good question if you do redo your kitchen i would definitely suggest taking your wall cabinets up to the ceiling line versus just stopping them. Anytime um, you know, your ceilings in an area are 12 feet or under, I say take your ceiling cabinets all the way up uh, because otherwise it just becomes a ledge for collecting dust. Mm -hmm. People feel very tempted to put their collection of plates from around the world up there, you know, <laughs> a, I mean. A great ivy, um, draping ivy mm -hmm. plant. Faux ivy. Faux ivy. Faux ivy, yeah. We all know that you are not getting up on the ladder and watering that ivy, mm -hmm. so we know it's fake. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> take take your, your cabinets up to the ceiling line and give yourself that additional storage. People always say, well, it's so high. How do I reach it? Well, 
the thing is like we all need storage constantly mm -hmm. use those cabinets to hide you know um purchases you don't want your significant other to find so um yes like the china Christmas that you china. only use once a year yes yeah, yeah that or, kind of you stuff know, random like i have like giant urns yeah that I might bring out for like a flower arrangement, but that I mean, yes. don't need it handy. Very few people have ever time. said, I have way too much storage. I don't <laughs> yeah. know what to do with all my storage. <laughs> oh my gosh. I have the dream of saying that one right. day. One day. <laughs> so much storage. Do we have time I for one more? I do think that we should advise Sarah to use our floor plan tool. Mm -hmm. Go on the How to Decorate site. We have a great, easy to use tool where you can put in the dimensions of your room, then put mm -hmm. in the dimensions of your sofa and your husband's chair, you know, the, a rug, figure all of that out. That's going to make everything a lot easier for you before you start purchasing things. Mm -hmm. Figure out how it's going to fit. That's yes. super smart. That's that's a great tool to have on the site. Yeah, it's so easy. I've used it. I yeah. used it for We've, this room. We yeah. use it all the time. I used it in every single room in my house multiple times. I would like relay it out. Yeah. Yeah. Drag it all around. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And the nice thing about that is you can put in, like, if you already have furniture, you can put in the exact, the exact dims of that, yes. your husband's leather reclining chair. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Unless you want to pretend like those, that doesn't exist so that you have an excuse to get rid of it. Well, you never know. <laughs> All right. This one is from Sarah as well, but a different Sarah. Um, this she writes and says I discovered your podcast about three weeks ago and I've been binge listening ever since I picked up so many tips and discovered many Instagram accounts to follow your decorating dilemmas are one of my favorite parts so I thought I'd send mine in my husband and I and our two kids bought our 1984 house about eight years ago and I have slowly been updating it is in a great location but is a little bit funky an asymmetrical soft contemporary style we live in an area with hills so the house has some interior steps we just replaced most of our old windows and glass doors, which requires some trim to be redone. Now that things are a bit torn up, we want to give our kitchen a facelift. And as long as the painters have to come out, we may as well have some other things painted. It all snowballs, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, <Preach, kitchen>, <laughs> the kitchen will get dark wood floors to match the rest of the house. Next, quartzite, countertops, backsplash, cabinets, painted taupe, and walls painted white. I would love to paint our dining room. I think a dark green color. I go back and forth between white and dark color. The blue is pretty, but no longer goes with the rest of the house. The room has windows facing the south and isn't super bright, so I thought we could embrace the darkness. As you can see from the pictures, the entry, living room, and dining room, and kitchen are all visible from each other. I like the look of the walls and trim all the same color. Can I get away with that in the dining room, or is it too visually connected to the other spaces? Question mark. We have it cut out from the entry to the dining room, so I guess that trim would need to stay white like the entry. Would that look weird from the dining room? And what kind of curtains do you think should I do in there? I learned the difference between curtains and drapery from your podcast. <laughs> Thank you, Tom Felicia. <laughs> I had unlined white linen panels, but took them down when we redid the windows. Thank you for any thoughts or ideas. I have a question. Why does she have this big cutout from her foyer into the dining room. I think it's I think just because it, because there yeah. was a giant cutout when she bought this house. Yeah. If she's doing all this work, should she just drive all that up? Do y'all think that's weird? Yeah, I I don't understand the cutout at all. It's like neither here nor there. Either right. open it up or right. close it up. Right, because it needs you to be have one a or the other. Art there or something, and it's throwing off the whole dining room, the mm -hmm. symmetry of that wall. Yeah. Mm. So. So the first thing I would say is I think it's a really great um, room in terms of the windows. I think the windows are really interesting. 
I would first question what's happening in this room from a furniture standpoint. Um, we'll, I mean, I definitely want to address the whole paint question, but um, you have a lot of open shelving in this space and a lot of decorative objects in this space. There's like a lot of little things. And mm. I think your furniture looks really nice. I think it's just a matter of doing some editing and, and sort of asking like whether or not you need to have um, both of these um, display units out there. Mm -hmm. I know that one has a little bit of storage in it, but the other one's pretty much just display. You you would open up the passageway um, and um, kind of give the space a little bit of visual relief if maybe you got rid of at least one of those pieces and supplanted it with some artwork uh, mm -hmm. on the wall. Um, it's distract. Yeah, like it's it just makes you not look at the table and chairs and chandelier, which is the whole point of the dining. You know what I mean? Yeah. Shouldn't your table and chairs and chandelier that should be like your focal point in a dining room? Should it not? Because yeah, I, mean, I think well, it's like the main thing that's happening in a dining room, right? Without right. the dining room table and chairs, then is it really a dining room? Right. Probably not. So, and the thing is, I love your light fixture. I think it's very very cool. Um, so I would say that's that's the first thing I would kind of suggest is kind of, you know, determining whether or not you need so much open shelving in your space because uh, there's a lot of stuff that's on display. The second thing I would say is uh, when you decide to put uh, window treatments back up, take that curtain rod all the way up to the underside of the crown molding and mm -hmm. uh, have your uh, treatments go all the way down from the underside of the crown to the to the floor it will uh, increase the perception of volume uh, in that room which would will be you know really helpful and really nice uh, when you begin to look at color um, you might want to have some color ideas in mind and then perhaps start with the fabric that you're going to use for your window treatments mm -hmm. uh, it could be a really good jumping off point because you're going to have uh, pretty much every shade of whatever color at your fingertips. It's much easier to kind of start with something that's going to be more limited, uh, like mm -hmm. a fabric that you really, really love uh, for your window treatments than, uh, than to have to like start with a shade of color that you've picked and then to work backwards and right. find the, the fabric. So when she does her curtain panels, should she basically do like four panels to... Cause Let's y'all can't see this, but yeah, there's yeah. three tall, almost floor to ceiling, tall, skinny mirrors. I mean, windows. windows. They yeah. almost look like mirrors, actually. Right. But there's just three on the back wall. So there's, what, probably a foot of space in between each one. Right. So it's like a foot, a window, a foot, a window, a foot, a window, a foot. Yeah. Yes. So how many panels should she use? She should have four panels because she doesn't have that much space to the left of uh, her left window and to the right of her right window. So um, if she's already not getting a lot of natural light, and she's south-facing, so it seems like she should be getting some decent light, but she says she's not. She says it's a dark room. Then we don't want to. We definitely don't want to be blocking uh, any more of the window than than we need to. And there's mm -hmm. nothing. Even if you don't ever close them, there is um, very few things I find more disturbing than decorative panels that are clearly like not wide enough to, to cover the windows. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's really disturbing. It's like that ivy on the top of the... Yes. Yes. It's clearly yeah. you're not using it, obviously. It sounds like she's concerned that 
you can see this room from all the other rooms. Do mm -hmm. they all need to match? Do they not? No, the rooms the rooms definitely don't need to match. But the other thing that you don't want to do is, and I talk about this in the book, Vacation at Home, and I talk about how I made this huge mistake was one of the things I learned very early on is uh, when I kind of got my first uh, apartment that I could paint the walls in when I was in grad school, I kind of, I, I had all this pent up um, energy and I, I was like, I've been dying to use this color and that color and the other color. And every room in my first apartment was a different color. And pretty soon it was like living in an amusement park. It was like hopping from ride to ride to ride to ride. And it wasn't calming or enjoyable to live in at all. That was one I had to learn the hard way. So um, although you, you know, although not every room has to be the same color, you have to like make your choices. Um, you can either work within a palette of, of colors, shades of a, of a color, or you can like strategically decide, um, I'm going to have the rest of my house kind of flow in this one color story, but then my dining room is going to be the moment where I'm going to really kind of make a statement and mm -hmm. make it pop. I think that also works. Mm -hmm. The difficulty with painting your trim the same color as your walls in this instance is that you are living in such an open concept and there really isn't a logical stopping place mm -hmm. for that trim to then change over to the pink color. Um, you know, if you had doors or something like that to your dining room, then you could you could get away with that. And it, especially if you closed up that weird, uh, you pass know, through thing. Pass mm -hmm. through thing. Yeah, it's like so high. It's not, you can't even really- Yeah, I don't understand. I it. think it's, so the steps, I believe it's, when so you come foyer. in the front door, yeah. So you look to the so right. So it's and sort say, of waist height at the foyer, but it's high up in the dining room. Yeah. It's, so you wave oh, down. Oh, it's at waist high. At the, oh, because there's and then steps. You come down steps. So you can see the dining room. Right when you walk in the front door, but you yeah, can't like, get to it. Look at this. It's picture. like a tease. Yeah, definitely <laughs> close that up and put yeah. a great mirror on that wall. <laughs> yeah, close it up because opening it up isn't an option because you'd have to then put steps to like get into your dining room. Closing it up is definitely the way to go much better to close it up. Like the thing about the dark color, um, if you look in this photo of her living room and that dining room is dark in the back, that's kind of what it would look like. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So just look at that and see, I mean, I don't think it looks. I mean, I love the cool. idea of make, like embracing the darkness just because personally in a dining I did room. it in a room and I've, I've loved it because it does give a, kind of cozy feel for an evening meal if you get the mm -hmm. you know lighting right right 100 yeah. percent. yeah i wouldn't be i wouldn't be intimidated by it being a dark color in a dark room if that's something that um makes you happy ultimately it's your house yeah. and you have to make the decisions that are going to bring you joy and happiness and if that's what you want then i i say by all means uh go for it the other thing is make sure that that light fixture is 66 inches from the finished floor to the underside it looks like it's a little bit on the high side to me and when you when you really hike up well 66 inches is a deliberate measurement it's low enough to illuminate the surface of the table but high enough so that people sitting at the table can still see each other in this particular instance when you're pulling a light fixture higher up than it really needs to be in a room that maybe doesn't have a huge volume it makes your uh, room look like it has shorter ceilings than it really does. Ah, so it's tricking um, us. Yeah, it's tricking you. So um, I would really take that into consideration as well. What do you think That's about her tiny tip. piece of chair rail around that room? You know, for me, it's not really doing anything. Doesn't do anything, right? Except especially if we're going to go with a dark um, color. It's you know, it's just a tiny little 
line if you feel like it's necessary to keep from a resale um, standpoint, then, you know, I understand some people really like to have that for resale, but you never know. Could she just paint it the wall color? Like, could you, could her molding, because I know you said like maybe the, the, the crown chain, yeah. and the casings around her doorways, that's harder to break off. But what about the chair rail? The chair rail for sure has a deliberate start and stopping point within that room so that you you could do that if you wanted to. Um, same with the the baseboard. Uh, the baseboard probably dies into the door casing, so mm-hmm. you could probably do that as well, and probably also the crown if you wanted to. But by that point, then you're really kind of outlining the, you the know, doorway. the doorway. Mm-hmm. Right. So for me, I kind of think not Why? a great idea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. All right, so don't be afraid of an of a contrasting color. No. Raise your drapery panel. Mm-hmm. Select your color by starting with the fabric for your drapery. Fall mm-hmm. in love with, with a textile. Mm-hmm. Make your draperies, and then choose your wall color based on what you've selected. Yeah, and when it comes time to choose your wall color, this is how you should do it. You mm-hmm. should have a couple of ideas. Then you should go to the store. You should get the paint chips, all the paint chips that you're possibly thinking of. You should tape them onto your walls. Look at them for a couple days during the daytime with natural light. Look at them at night with the artificial light that you have in the space and begin to gradually take down the chips that you don't like until you're left with, you know, two or three. Um, You know, at that point, um, you know, you can invest in a little sample pot or whatever, but... um, but you know that's the best way to to do it to live with it for a couple of days before yeah. you kind of start painting and it is better to start with the fabric that you really love um, especially one that maybe is a multicolor or has mm-hmm. you know different options that you can pull out of it it might even introduce some uh, colors into um, into your your thoughts that you weren't even considering beforehand right especially since you can see this room from the living room so you want to make sure when you're looking at it from the living room it's pretty with that room that together they're lovely a hundred percent absolutely and her living room is awesome it is pretty. yeah it's it's very very pretty it's a it's a really nice house what i would say too is um you know um, we, we started off this conversation about this room, about potentially getting rid of one of these pieces of shelving. Uh, you have two pieces of furniture in here for those of you who are listening but can't see. She has two pieces of furniture that both have open shelves. One's like a f- almost like a floor-to-ceiling bookcase or, or um, display unit. And then the other one has a, like a cabinet on the bottom um, with, again, open shelving on the top that has a what looks to be a very nice collection of coral. Um once you get rid of one of those, uh, again, utilize um, utilize that that wall for um, something like a piece of artwork. But perhaps even think about uh, you, you then at that point could have a pretty substantial wall if you if you closed up that hole from the foyer and got rid of that bookcase to perhaps do like a large overscaled mirror uh, and then mm-hmm. flank it with um, you know smaller pieces of art perhaps or some candle sconces. But that mirror will help take natural light. Um, that comes into that room and bounce it back into the space uh, to kind mm-hmm. of create more of a sense of natural light in the room uh, during the daytime. And then, of course, it's always great for adding a more dramatic flair in the evening when you're entertaining. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Love that. Bounces candlelight around too. Yep. Mm-hmm. Great. Thank you so much for helping yes. our listeners. Thanks, experts. Gosh. Yeah, so nice to be with you guys. You guys are the best. You're the fact nice. that you actually <laughs> read the book is just so impressive. <laughs> 
were going to do. Yeah. <laughs> so tell us about your book. Yeah. <laughs> Give us the cliff notes. Will you tell everyone where they can find you, get your book, follow you on social media, all that good stuff? Yeah. So um, so you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Um, I'm at Vern Yip Designs. Um, and uh, the book is available wherever books are sold. Uh, and I'm just so excited. You guys helped really make the first book a huge success, and I'm really grateful and thankful, seriously. And uh, and thank you again for having me um, on for the second one. It's been a, a huge honor. We love it's a treat. Yeah, yeah. And the name of the book is Vacation at Home: Design Ideas for Creating Your Everyday Getaway. Yes, it's a good one. I feel like I came away. I made little like notes in my stickies of things I need to do now, and I have. So many good takeaways. Yeah. Yeah. Very practical advice. Thank you. All right. That's our show. Thank you for listening. You can leave us a review in your podcast app or send your questions to podcast at Some one, one of our fabulous designers will answer your questions on an upcoming episode. Follow us on social media at Ballard Designs. And don't forget to check out the show notes for this episode. We'll link to a bunch of good stuff, have photos from Burns book, all those good things. You can find those at howtodecorate.com slash podcast. And don't forget to enable the How to Decorate skill on your Alexa so you can listen to us from your Alexa. And until next time, happy happy decorating. decorating!